what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, are you ready to hire people? We'll give you some timeless advice from a relatively successful entrepreneur to help you find the right person. Today, we're joined by our guest and friend of the podcast, Byron Hicks who is the Deputy State Director at the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center. And we'll just discuss how he and his organization are providing support for businesses during this challenging business environment. Finally, we'll finish up with our regular Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm the Director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and the Arts at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. Uh, been a nice, relatively warm fall for us and uh, a lot of good things going on at the college. So things are going well. No, very good. Very good. Are you uh, going to be doing some uh, socially distant uh, trick-or-treating this year? Yes, I am. We're actually going to do some of those on our campus for folks to uh, come by and get some treats, but have good social distancing. Also, we have uh, our engineering and visual arts programs building some Halloween scary displays. So we're going to be in the very festive mode next week. Well, good. We'll have to come check that out. Yeah, you have, we'll have them in the PAT building and we'll have them in the WSC. Yeah, I, I I always I try to find an interesting article to share with our listeners and with you. And um, I, I had a couple of choices. I one of our good listener friends, uh, Peter in New York, sent me an article and he suggested that we use it. Uh, it was called "How to Avoid Accidentally Showing Your Genitals to Your Colleagues on Zoom." But I'm I'm thinking that most of our listeners are smart enough to participate in Zoom meetings or WebEx meetings and keep their pants on. What do you think, Gary? I'm a little shocked, yes. I th- uh, uh, you come up with a lot of things and a lot of articles in the past. Um, that's not one I would have had an answer for. No, I, I think I'm okay. Okay, you're, 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 you're clear that we don't need to review that with you. You're feeling okay? No, I think I'm good. Because I actually found another article that I thought might be more appropriate for our audience uh, about... Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos' advice on hiring people, and and uh, it was an article I found on Entrepreneur.com about questions that Jeff Bezos suggests. Uh, knowing Jeff Bezos, he might require uh, be asked before anyone is hired at Amazon. And and uh, you know personally, I, I've had to learn the hard way that uh, it's always better to hire slowly and thoughtfully. Uh, to make sure you get the right person. And uh, so, so you know, if you own a small business, if you own a big business, uh, you know, the hiring process is going to make you or break you. So here's, a, here's some advice that uh, came from Jeff Bezos. Number one, will you admire this person that you're hiring? And there was a quote from him saying, if you think about the people you're, in your life that you've admired, uh, 
they're probably they are probably people that you've been able to learn from or take examples from. So I've only strived to work with people whom I admire and I encourage people here at Amazon to be just as demanding. So, so, you know, think about hiring people. That's, that's one thing. The next thing he says is, will this person increase the average level of effectiveness of the group they are joining? And he says, we want to fight against entropy. The bar has to go up continuously. I ask people to visualize the company five years from now. And at that point, each of us should look around and say, the standards are so high now. Boy, I'm glad I walked in when I did. You know, that reminds me of, of uh, the fact that I went to the University of North Carolina. When I went several years ago, it was a lot easier for in-state students to get in. You know, I wonder sometimes if I'd get in today. Well, you would for sure. I don't know. And I admire you, Jeff. All right. Well, third question he asked <laughs> in what area could this person be a superstar? And... When he, when he asks that question, he's really thinking about uh, whether people have unique skills or interests and perspectives that might enrich the working work environment. And sometimes it can be something not even related to their job. But, uh, you know, he's really focused on different perspectives, you know, and, and I'll leap out and say that uh, um, some focus on diversity in, in hiring uh, just can bring a lot to the organization. So. Those are three questions that Jeff Bezos asked. It turns out he's done fairly well for himself. So mm-hmm. something to think about if you get to a point where your business is going to be, whether it be hiring the first person or or, or the 21st person that uh, you should be thinking about because it makes all the difference to your success. Well, it does. You want to surround yourself with really good people and you want to have a high bar, like you say. And we talk about it here. We don't want to just... If we have an opening, I refer to it, we need to replace them with a number one draft choice, not just fill the position. And it's better to be uh, careful, like you said earlier, than to just hire a person because, you know, that can be much more trouble than it's than it's worth. And so I think we should have the highest standard possible. And again, not jump because, OK, we've got an opening and we have to fill it because you need to fill it with the right person. Well, and, and uh uh, I, I think you have to have the confidence to to really hire uh, the best person that you can. Someone that um, you know, if if one of us gets hit by a bus tomorrow, we want to have our uh, replacement at the ready. So uh, yeah. it's you know, you're, well, you're building uh, the better people you have around you, the more successful you're going to be. That's right. That's right. So corny, but it's true. Don't be scared about hiring smart people. That's that's exactly that's the bottom line. So anyway. Let's welcome our guest. Uh, our guest today is Byron Hicks. Byron, are you out there? I am here. Hey, Byron. Good morning. Byron. Always good to have a friend on the podcast. No, Byron. Uh, I'm glad to be here today. I think it's interesting your conversation on, on hiring and Jeff Bezos' comments, but I will echo what uh, Jeff said, Jeff Newell said a little bit about um, I graduated from Elon College back when it was Elon College. Now I'm not sure Elon University would uh, would let me. Well, we would we would definitely have brought you letters of reference if that would be of any help. But uh, Byron, you are you're a former small business owner, but you you spent I think the last twelve years or so working with the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center, and uh, you know today you're the the deputy state director of the uh, SBTDC and. 
the North Carolina SBTDC is uh, a leading resource for growing, developing uh, businesses here in North Carolina since 1984. The SBTDC has helped over 125,000 North Carolina business owners and prospective entrepreneurs uh, uh, in a variety of areas. And Byron leads a team of counselors and advisors who help business in uh, general management, financial areas, selling to the government, exporting, product commercialization, all sorts of cool stuff. So, uh, Byron, we really appreciate it. Uh, that's just a little bit of an introduction for you, but tell us a little bit about, tell, tell us more about what the SBTDC does and, and what your role is with it. Sure, be glad to. Uh, the SBTDC is the largest interinstitutional um, center of the University of North Carolina system. We are part of the business and technology extension programs and also funded in part by the Small Business Administration federally. So our main goal is to offer one-on-one -on -one confidential, no-cost counseling to small and mid-sized business owners in North Carolina. Um, the mission of the SBTDC is positively impact North Carolina's economy by helping to grow small and mid-sized businesses and launch promising startups. And to that end, we work with many partners around the state uh, to make that happen. Well, and, and you know, we're we're sitting here in uh, in beautiful North Carolina and in different parts of the state and. And uh, my organization, the state's small center, uh, small business center network, uh, uh, works with you as a partner. Yeah, it, we also have listeners that are in other states, and uh, yeah, the small business administration supports similar organizations in other states. So, so we encourage you to go to the SBA website, and um, uh, you, you'll you'll probably find that many states have small business development centers similar to what Byron does and, and similar to what our small business center does as well. Right. We're part of the America's Small Business Development Center Network, and there are 62 SBDCs around the country. Um, California has multiple um, ones, so does Texas. But every state and even um, a couple of the territories have SBDCs to offer business advisory services to anyone out there. So, so, uh, so a lot of the sort of work that uh, that you do, uh, you know, as well as, as I do, is available throughout the country. So, uh, uh, do a little bit of googling and you'll find it. Talk, Byron, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, how the SBTDC here in North Carolina. The, you know, I touched on a few of the areas, but uh, how do you guys engage with businesses, work with businesses, help businesses? For the past. 36 years, we have engaged with businesses, mainly one-on-one uh, -on -one counseling through our professional staff located around the state. We have 10 regional centers around the state of North Carolina, each hosted by a university of the UNC system. So we have offices in um, Asheville, Cullowee, Charlotte, uh, one in Hickory with you, and um, all across the state, uh, as well as down east, even Elizabeth City State University. So uh, with that with our 10 regional centers, we have approximately 60 field staff uh, that, um, that I lead, and their main goal is outreach and serving business owners so that they can run their businesses better. And are there certain areas of specialization that uh, are, are a sweet spot uh, for the SBTDCs? 
there are. One of the things that we focus on um, often is helping uh, business owners get access to capital. That's always a challenge. Um, and from my experience, from being a general business counselor, uh, the regional center director, now deputy state director, as well as owning my own business, uh, finding capital for small businesses uh, can be challenging. And um, I also in a previous career was a commercial lender. So we really help prepare these small business owners to sit across the desk from the lender or to identify resources that are out there from uh, community development groups or private equity to help them sustain and grow their businesses. Well, well you, you, you mentioned uh, access to capital. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're in a very challenging economic time, a very interesting economic time in that uh, there, there are certain businesses that are really struggling with this uh, pandemic and, uh, you know, people are staying at home or just not out as often. Uh, there are other businesses that uh, see opportunities in that and, and are growing and expanding. So when, when you sort of measure what the access to capital for businesses are is at this point in time, uh, you know, what's your what's your take on the situation out there? Oh, goodness. Uh, my take on that right now is that people need to be very creative in looking for capital. Your traditional methods of capital are a little hampered right now by the economy and by the pandemic. Uh, most of the large commercial banks were very active in the beginning of this year with the Paycheck Protection Program loans and the economic injury uh, disaster loans. And that tied up a lot of their capital. Those loans were made through the banks and backed by SBA, but right now they're still sitting on the balance sheet of the large banks until the forgiveness portion comes through. So we're seeing a slowdown in lending activity through your traditional lenders, but we're seeing an uptick in your non-conventional lenders. Uh, the Rural Center of North Carolina and their Thread Capital Program, Carolina Small Business Development Fund, we're seeing uh, much more activity in the uh, various non-traditional lending sources. But it still, it still um, boils down to being prepared to request the money. So all of our small business um, owners out there listening, it's all about being prepared and knowing what you're asking for when you are in front of any of the lending sources. Well, well why, why don't you walk us through a little bit of you know, how how those folks need to be prepared? Are you know, is, are, are you are you saying you need a business plan? Are you saying uh, you 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 need a good uh, pitch, like in Shark Tank? So, what are you what are you uh, suggesting there? Well, I think the the first thing you need to know is how the money will affect your business. How much do you need? You can work with uh, folks from your organization, from our organization, sit down with a professional and find out what the cash needs of the business actually are. Too often we have people come in our office saying, oh, I just need money so I can survive or I need money so I can grow. And they haven't really calculated how much they need. And, and that's a key component. Secondly, not all money is equal. Coming from private equity money, you're going to have opinions, additional stockholders. Um, borrowing from the bank, you don't have that. 
the bank's going to give you very little restrictions on that. But the first thing would be to really understand your business, understand how the money is going to impact that, and understand during this pandemic who your customers are and what realistic sales expectations can be. Now, as far as uh, putting a package together for a lender, a business plan is always important, either that or a business model. The banks, lenders, investors all want to know how this business is going to create money. Is it selling items? Is it selling services? Um, and all that needs to be put out in a business plan. Business plan also gives the business owner the opportunity to identify their strengths in their management team. Um, banks and lenders always look at the strength of the management team, uh, their experience in that industry. So the business plan is a critical part of that. But all the business plan is is the story that is backed up by financial information. So it's, it's uh, just as important that they have detailed and thorough financial documents to show how the business is performing. And, and, and when you mention financial documents, you're talking uh, profit, you know, pro projected profit and loss statements. You're talking cash flow statements. Uh, you know, uh, is, that, is that pretty much what people should be thinking about? They should, and they should be realistic in those projections and those cash flow statements. And there are many resources out there that can help them align with industry numbers. Uh, you and I have both heard clients come in and say, I'm going to sell T-shirts in China, and there's over a billion people there, so if I get 1% of the market, I'll be rich. That's not a realistic assessment of the market. So really understanding that and having the financial projections be realistic to the industry they're in is, is very important. I, I, I've heard that story as well, and I'm, I'm sure Gary has too. Mm -hmm. Are there, are there um, other common mistakes that you see from people who are in search of uh, funding that, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess what you're saying is making sure that your numbers are realistic, uh, yeah, particularly on the sales end. And I'm, I'm certainly with you on that. And that uh, I think pretty much everybody that comes into for, for business counseling and starting a business is generally pretty optimistic about uh, what they think they can do. Are there, are there other areas that uh, you often see as uh, uh, mistakes or, or problems as people are looking for capital? Uh, yes. And you hit on a good one right there. Uh, you definitely want to be optimistic in your projections, but you also want a set of projections that show worst case scenario. Uh, it shows that you've been very thoughtful and that you really understand your business. If you can also show what happens when sales dip, what happens if I don't have the sales that I'm expecting? How will I maintain the business? How will the business survive? How can we cut costs? That's a, a huge part of um, requesting um, capital. It's also understanding the payback. I think a lot of business owners look for the capital, but don't understand the impact of a additional monthly payment on their cash flow, or is it a quarterly payment? What is the uh, mechanism to repay the loan? Is there sufficient cash flow? Don't you think that's one of the toughest things that we run into when we're talking to folks? They've got a great idea or a plan and they're passionate about it. They really don't understand the financial implications of going into business. They really don't. A uh, majority of people go into business have a passion for what they're doing. Mm 
Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, I'd like to see the passion that you can't uh, substitute anything for that. But in addition to that passion, you need that knowledge of the business side, uh, not just how to make the best widget out there, but how to sell the widget, how to control the cost, how to get into distribution channels and marketing channels. So there's so much more than just being um, the passionate creator. Yeah, you know, one, one of the challenges that uh, I think people also have on the, the capital piece is that, yeah, they're not, there are not that many businesses that are really uh, going to uh, qualify, might not be the right word, but but qualify for, for private equity. You know, I think there's there are only certain types of business that people are looking to invest in. Can you sort of help people understand that divide of, uh, you know, you know when it's appropriate to look for private equity partners versus uh, a loan or, or, or debt option? Uh, yes. Well, usually a startup for the most part is going to be um, subject to just bootstrapping. And usually the four F's would be their first investors where you have the founder, friends, family, and then fools is always added in there. But um, the risk is so high in the early stages of a business that it's usually going to be private money coming from someone that already knows the founder and is really investing in the founder at that point. To grow and get outside funding, you have to have a business model that shows a return. And back to what I said earlier about uh, not all money is equal. If you're looking for private investment to help grow your business, an investor wants a high rate of return. So the business needs to be high growth, high potential, um, the opportunity to make five times the initial investment. So uh, when you're looking for private equity or private investors, you need to be looking at the growth and scalability of the business. When you're talking to a traditional lender and looking at a monthly payment, which would be like your mortgage payment or your car payment, the banks are looking at consistent cash flow. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. So if you're slow growth, consistent business model, then you have a better chance with just the traditional lending models. Now, I I suspect you get the question, as do I, about uh, what about all those business grants that are out there? How do you answer that one? In the past, I would say there are no business grants. Um, During COVID, there are more grants available to help sustain some businesses. Most grants are at the local level. Um, Many communities received CARES Act funding from the federal government that can help businesses. But for the most part, grants are not um, available. There are a couple of exceptions to that. If it's a very uh, technological um, startup or innovative startup, there are small business innovative research grants and small business technology uh, grants uh, that our group, uh, our tech commercialization group would be happy to help walk people through that. But those have to have a purpose in mind, usually advancing um, a medical opportunity or military opportunity. Um, as far as grants, if I know everybody asked for them, but think about uh, that concept a little bit. 
it's one thing to ask for them. It's another thing if we asked everybody to pay into the fund to give money away. It's even hard to go to your mom and dad and say, give me money with no expectation of return. <laughs> so I think people need to realize that uh, most of the grants out there are also tied to employment numbers. They expect the business to grow or to hire so many people for each dollar they receive. And that's really difficult for small businesses. Well, yeah, you have kids. Gary has kids. I have kids. I think they still come to us and uh, have some expectation of grants. You know, they I've not seen the return yet, but I'm sure it's going to come. I'm hoping so. I hope that wedding, my daughter just got married this weekend. I hope that gets one off the payroll. <laughs> there you go. Well, Byron, I want to tell you that's not necessarily true. <laughs> Well, Actually, thank you, Gary. I appreciate that. My oldest that is married is the most fiscally conservative, and she has a budget. Unfortunately, having the first one come through and uh, be off the payroll very quickly, I thought the other three would do that. It didn't work quite that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll see that. No. Back to your question on grants, though, for a minute, Jeff, if you don't mind. I think what's what we see a lot of, and I know you do as well, is the socially responsible businesses that feel like there should be a grant for that. Um, socially responsive, responsible businesses are, are great, and I love to see those, especially during the pandemic, come out. But they also have to be fiscally responsible. And so even, even if it's going to save the world, it still has to be sustainable. It still has to produce revenue and control costs. So uh, that's even difficult for grants for those social respons socially responsible business ideas. So how do you handle that, Myron and Jeff? And Jeff, kids, because he's very kind and uh, refers to dream crusher. Uh, and it's really not that way, but it's being realistic of how do you handle that? Because they, as we talked about, they have passion when people are coming in. But they have what? to be able to make money, or at least, as I say, always bring in more money or as much money as we're spending. Well, I think you have to understand the model again. Even nonprofits have to be run like a business. Exactly. They don't make payroll unless money comes in. They've got to understand if it's uh, donations is their main source of revenue. Um, so even with these um, dreamers that Jeff likes to crush, they just need to understand that uh, to, to make payroll, to lease a building, to provide services to those less fortunate, you still have to have funding come in. And so they have to understand the business model and the cash model. Yeah. I, well, true. I, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say that, that, you know, to me, it's sort of, it's, I, I think the key word there is, is model of, of uh, any operation, whether it's nonprofit or for profit, you've got money coming in, you've got money coming out. You need to recognize uh, where the money's coming from and what your expenses are. And, and, uh, you know, put, put some numbers on the paper before you, uh, you get too far down the road to understand that. So it's really difficult to say that uh, my sustainable plan is to continually find grants out there. You, know, you might, you know, even for a nonprofit organization, you know, you, you might, that might be a piece of your plan, but it, it's, it's not going to be a hundred percent of your incoming money. Well, and I refer, cause we talked a lot about not-for-profits just in the last few minutes. I say at the college, we're still in the business of education. We have to get grants or tuition, uh, you know, because I said, well, we're not for profit, so we have money. You don't have to worry about it. You know, 
to the contrary, actually have to worry about it more than profitable businesses. Yeah. And, it, and people need to be thinking about that. You know, when we're running our operations here, everything's got to be productive one way or another. I, I'm, you're, I, are you threatening me? What are you talking? What are you saying, Gary? <laughs> I don't think I have to worry about you, Jeff. Okay. Um, Byron, you touched on the uh, pandemic a bit, and and this you know grants that might be out there to do it. But but as far as the SBTDC and and the way uh, the, your organization has had to respond uh, to working with clients, you know what what sort of things. Are you seeing out there that are the biggest needs of your of your clients at this point in time as they're they're grappling with the pandemic, or or has it been similar things that uh, were were pre pandemic? We we've seen a little bit of both. I, I will say that you know the world changed for everyone, so you have to look at even providing our service changed. Um, as of March sixteenth, uh, when we went into more of a shutdown mode. All of our counselors around the state were working remotely. So our whole our model changed from sitting down one on one with businesses to Zoom meetings, uh, team meetings, go to webinars, different things like that. Our whole world went virtual on assisting these businesses. In addition, we received um, um, some CARES Act money to increase our capacity to help these small businesses. And in doing that, We've brought on 20 new employees that I've never met in person, that we've only met through Zoom. So I think it was real um, interesting that you brought up uh, the hiring process in the beginning of the podcast, because it is so different now that we are hiring people virtually as well. But I would say the most difficult thing for the small businesses has been the uncertainty of what the economy is bringing. Uh, Think about the restaurants, for example. The ones that were able to go to a takeout business model, reduced staff, reduced cost of goods, were able to survive in some way. But we all thought we were in for three months of this. We didn't know we were in for what could be a year of this. And I think the sustainability of uh, the businesses is going to be determined on how creative and innovative they can be in reaching their customers, finding out how comfortable their customers are still purchasing their goods or services. Well, I, I, I agree with that. And that, um, you know, here in North Carolina, as I'm sure there are in many States, uh, you know, there, there have been some required closures by that are, that our governor, our governor has uh, instituted and um, you know, but ultimately it's, it's, people regaining the confidence to go back and, and sit in a restaurant, regardless of what the governor says, you know, we can sit here and say, Oh, things are open. But if people are concerned about uh, uh, eating in a restaurant or, or going into indoor spaces and, and they're not coming, then you still got a problem. So it's, it's, it, there, there's really uh, goes back to understanding your customers and, and their comfort level and, and how to meet them. So I, I think that's what well, we had an example of that. That's really interesting. We had um, in the central part of the state, a dry cleaning business. And you don't even think about that, but think about what the pandemic has done to a dry cleaning business. Mm-hmm. Um, with your joke at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, I might be sitting here in a t-shirt and sweatpants today. I'm not sitting, I'm not wearing my sport coat and my start shirt. 
people are not using, well, actually I am, but um, the uh, <laughs> people are not using dry cleaning services like they were. Yeah. So we had to coach that business owner through looking at other options to drive revenue to his business. So what could he do? Could he offer um, pickup and delivery service? Could he offer uh, dry cleaning services to assist nursing homes? Could he look for other clients, other customers? So really in this, um, in these uncertain times, it's really important to look at what you can drive revenue into your business, whatever that may be. Well, that hit home at uh, seven o'clock this morning. I was at my dry cleaner and I think about it every time I go because for months I'm going, that's probably a fraction of what it used to be six months ago. Well, and I would guess it's doing it to the razor industry, too. I can't see Jeff this morning, but I bet he's sporting a beard right now. He looks a little bit like ZZ Top. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going for, though, Gary. Come on. I know, I know. And it looks it looks really cool. <laughs> well, and I think the impact's been huge on small businesses, but it's also impacted a lot of our larger industries as well. I know that uh, uh, aluminum cans are hard to come by because Jeff's buying so much beer to take home. Um <laughs> They're not serving kegs at bars as much in North Carolina. So the aluminum canning industry has been turned upside down. And because of that, even Coca-Cola has reduced some of the products they're putting on the market right now. And now, like I said, you got to, we always say it, but it's even more critical or easier to see now. And we got to adapt to the environment or what's happening outside of us. If we just say we were successful doing it this way and we're going to continue doing it that way, no matter what happens, we're probably going to fail. So we got to, change. Right. And one of the things coming out of the pandemic, I think that if if small business owners would reach out to resources, this really uncovers the vulnerabilities in a business model. Um, It it shows opportunity for improvement, opportunities to innovate, but it also um, identifies those vulnerabilities in uh, any restaurant. If someone got sick and word gets out, their business drops off. It doesn't just have to be a pandemic. So, it's a good opportunity for business to, businesses to sit back and say, okay, I've been extremely vulnerable during the pandemic. How can I be prepared for any type of risk mitigation in the future? Yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate the, you know, what, the, what your organization is doing, Byron. And, and uh, I know you guys are, have, as you said, you're having to make a lot of adjustments uh, in order to service uh, your clients as, as our small business center network have. Has any other things that, uh, any other lessons that have come out of this pandemic for you as we uh, sort of wind down here? Well, it's kind of a crossover from uh, being a business owner in the past and then my role now is please reach out to all the great resources around uh, the country and around the state for assistance. Right now is not a time for a business owner to be sitting there not reaching out. There's a lot of resources out there. When I had my construction company um, grading and water and sewer and we went into the recession, I felt like I was sitting in my office all by myself every day trying to figure out how to survive. There are resources out there. The best thing a small business owner can do is reach out, talk to some of the experts, and get some help. Well, that sounds good. And, and uh, where, where can people learn more about the SBTDC? Where are you guys out there on the Internet? The easiest way to find us is go to www.sbtdc.org. 
You will see um, history of the organization, all the services that we offer. You'll see locations of our regional centers around the state and a request for counseling. And all of our counselors are working remotely, but we'll get back to a request within 72 hours and be glad to offer assistance. <clears throat> well, thank you for joining us. You, uh, you got a, a couple minutes to play our lightning round? Sure. Of course you do. Come on. <laughs> there was a little apprehension there just because I know yes, you. A little bit tennis. Well, just, uh, you know, th- this week our lightning round is, is sponsored by Bushwood Country Club. You know, if you're a one percenter, this is where you need to be. They're still accepting memberships. But unfortunately, due to the pandemic, Caddy Day, which was scheduled for 1 to one fifteen next Friday, has had to been canceled. But anyway. Did they solve their gopher problem? It's all solved. Bushwood Country Club, you should check it out on the Internet. So, Byron, I'm going to ask you some some quick questions that uh, we, we, we just want quick answers. So don't go too crazy on us. What is your favorite vacation spot for when the pandemic subsides? Sunset Beach. And that is in North Carolina. That is. All right. What is your pandemic adult beverage of choice? Pre-pandemic was red wine. During pandemic, scotch. Okay. Whatever can you call, man. Uh, but you know, hey, can I add one thing to that? It was really fun. I had to learn something from my daughters. Uh, two of them were home from college during the pandemic for a while. I never knew that a half gallon was called a handle. So I've learned something new. I didn't know that either. Oh, you got to be open to these new things. Those kids can teach you something. I'm glad uh, like you learned. feel better about your daughters knowing that it's now a handle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm glad to know what they're learning in college. Yeah, that cost you. Anyway, moving along, uh, Harry Potter, Star Wars, or Godfather movies for you? Godfather, all three. All three? All three of the Godfather movies, um, no doubt. God, uh, Godfather 3, that's 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 questionable, at least the first two. Okay, I'll give you that. Favorite quarantine comfort food? Anything. <laughs> no, we've been doing a, a lot of take out, not one in particular, but trying to help the local folks. All right. That's weak answer, but we'll move along. Shelter in place, TV or movie streaming recommendation? Um, Outlander on Netflix. Okay. And finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? That's not a lightning question. That takes thought. Well, give us a quick knee jerk reaction, man. Come on. Um, as I get older, let's say the ability not to forget. All right. You just want to maintain your mental prowess? I do. I don't blame you for that. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for playing. Thank you for joining us uh, today for the Entrepreneur Exchange podcast. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and catch up. And uh, we we always like to wind up by uh, sharing our small business of the month feature. So, so Gary, what do you have this month for your small business? Well, I had several I was looking at and then something changed yesterday, which I'll touch base in just a few seconds. But I'm going to go with one that fits my model of either children, pets or food. It's called Zuki's Critter Cookies. Have you ever heard? Zuki's Critter Cookies. you might know about them. They're in Raleigh. That's a Shark Tank success story. 
and actually they were on Shark Tank and made my prep for today's uh, podcast. Of course, you know, I always watch Shark Tank that week. And uh, they, the Zuki Critter Cookies, uh, they actually handed them out as treats to start their pitch. And a couple of the folks ate it and found out that they were not cookies for people. Uh, they were dog cookies. And they were supposedly spectacular for the dogs because they brought in dogs to try it. And uh, one of the things that that it's different about just making dog cookies, and this is a thing that uh, they did get the deal, but people questioned because you actually scoop them out, put them on a pan and cook them like you would for yourself or your kids. Uh, And they weren't sure, even though they were very good and the dogs loved them, whether people would really want to do that on a regular basis, actually having to bake cookies for their cookie treats for their dogs. I'll take a, a poll of our two folks that are on it today. Would you uh, buy cookie treats and have to cook them every time for your dogs? I, I might do that on occasion, but I don't think I would make a habit of it. Yeah. So I think opening a box would be more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And I love dogs, but I think that, Although they're doing well, they're out of Raleigh, just so we can look them up to see how they're doing. I've watched that they're doing pretty well. And they got, they had two of the sharks uh, going on, uh, Robert, and then one of a uh, guest with, uh, I think, Allie Webb is her name. So it was very interesting. Uh, again, you know, I love dogs. I love uh, food. So that was a combination. And it was a little of a trick because they really uh, played one on the sharks by letting them taste it to find out that they weren't really as good as for people as they are for dogs. And then I had one other thing that uh, I got an opportunity to talk to Ray Yabara. Have you guys ever heard of him? No. He was, excuse me? No, I don't think I have. No. He was actually two-time NACI uh, keynote speaker. And he saw what CVCC had done as a pitch for the trades competition. And so he contacted me to talk about that, but he is a producer author of a multimedia book called conversations with shark tank winners. Of course, you know, that hit me because I love shark tank and he's created a lot of different videos and panel discussions talking to the various shark tank participants over the years and has really built a business around that. Uh, but he's interested in what we're doing. His most current project is Crush It Successfully, where he highlights the Shark Tank entrepreneurs and the lessons learned from them, not just on the pitch, but which is 10 minutes, you know, on TV, but what they did to make their business successful after Shark Tank. So that's my contribution for the week. Yeah, good. Well, thank you. So so uh, I came across a business um, that... that I found to be interesting. It's called Bespoken Spirits, and it's not spirits in the Halloween vein. It's more the, uh, as Byron was saying, the, the scotch and whiskey type vein. But Bespoken Spirits is using science to produce better whiskey and, and produce it uh, more quickly. They're a Menlo Park, California startup, and they have created a proprietary technology to rapidly produce custom whiskey, uh, they most whiskeys mature in oak bat barrels for at least five years, and some can be up to thirty years. Bespoken uh, Spirits, which was founded by uh, Aaron and material sci- scientist 
Martin Janicek uses technology to, that extracts the elements of the barrel that enhance aroma, color, and taste in a matter of days. The process is all natural, sustainable, and uses only the traditional elements of spirits, wood, and char, and never any additives for flavoring or color. The result is 97% less wood consumption, 20% more spirit yield, and most importantly, they're winning uh, awards for their taste uh, at the 2020 San Francisco World Spirit Competition, at the American Distillery Institute's 2020 Judging of Craft Spirits, so they're basically figuring out a process to make whiskey and bourbon and scotch. Well, I don't know if they're making scotch, but uh, in in a matter of days as opposed to a matter of years. And uh, they can customize things. It's available at specialty stores such as Total Wine. So you need to check them out at www.bespokenspirits.com. So I've not yet checked them out or I've checked them out online. I've not actually tried them, but uh, given the opportunity, I will give it a shot. And um, I, I will be checking my doorstep for the delivery from you, Jeff. Yeah, well, when, I, when I find some, I'll, uh, I'll grab a little extra for you and we can make a determination. Uh, you, you, you can give me some of the 30-year-old scotch and we'll uh, test some of the five-day-old uh, five scotch and see if we can tell the difference. Will do. Okay. Well, Byron, we want to thank you again for joining us today, uh, talking about the SBTDC, and you can find out uh, about them at www.sbtdc.org. And uh, we want to thank our friends at The Mesh for hosting the Entrepreneur Exchange, as they always do. If you have a suggestion for our Small Business of the Month, please send it to us at the e-exchange at themesh.tv. And if we use your small business of the month, you get one of our prize packages, which I'm confident will not include whiskey or bourbon because we're going to get rid of that some other way. And it's illegal to ship it across state lines, I do believe. Is that correct, Byron? I cannot answer to that question. Okay, good for you. Uh, anyway, guys, appreciate it. Uh, Gary? Thanks, Byron. Thanks, Jeff. Great Thanks to talk to you. Thank you very much. All right. We'll look forward to catching up with you guys again next month. You guys take care. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.